Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. We are going to continue in our study of 1 Corinthians. We are in the second part of chapter 12. One body with many members. Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, starting in verse 12. If you're in the Red Bibles, it's 991. And Paul begins to write. He says, For as the body is one, and as many parts, and all are many, all, all the many parts of, the one, of that one body are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we are Jews or Gentiles, whether we are slave or free, and we have all been made to drink of this one Spirit, of one Spirit. The body is not one part, but many. So, what he is saying here is that we are the body of Christ. It doesn't matter our background. It doesn't matter our stature in life. It doesn't matter our heritage. It doesn't matter anything. What matters is that we have all believed, we all believe in Jesus Christ and we all are born again believers in him. That's what it matters. That's what it's talking about. Did you, did you hear any mention that Paul was saying that anything about buildings or anything about places of worship? No. What does he say? For as one body is one and, and has many parts... And all the many parts of that one body are all are one body, so that so also is Christ. For by one spirit we all are baptized into one body, whether we are Jews or Gentiles, whether we are slave or free, and we have all been made to drink of the one of one spirit. So we all are one. If we are believers in Christ, we're all of the one body of Christ. <clears throat> we're not. See, th this is where I, I, get, I get kind of like annoyed, I guess. We're Baptists, we're good. Oh, we're Catholic, we're better. Oh, we're Pentecostals, we have the Spirit. Or, oh, we, we, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not defined by our sign on the, on the our, our, our name on the sign or name above the door. We're not defined by that. We're not defined by whether we are Pentecostal or whether we are United Brethren in Christ or whether we are Catholic or Methodist or Lutheran. We're not defined by that. We are defined by one thing and one, that one thing being do we believe in Jesus Christ and have we been born again? That's what we are defined by. It doesn't matter what title we give ourselves. Are we believers? And if we are believers by way of born-again experience, believing in Jesus and change, our lives being changed, that is the defining thing. 
And if we are that, we are of one body. Denominations don't matter. Signs above the door don't matter. <clears throat> Our heritage don't matter. Whether we have money in the bank or we have nothing in the bank doesn't matter. What matters is whether we are saved and sold out to Jesus Christ by way of a born-again experience. That's what matters. He goes on and he says in verse 15, if the fool says, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? So, what does that mean? What does a hand do? What do you do with your hands? Well, you grab something, or you feed yourself, or if you're, you know, married, you slap one another. But you, 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 you do things with your hands. Hands are very important. You can't do anything without hands. You can't drive a car without hands unless you learn how to do it with your feet. You can't feed yourself without hands unless you learn how to do it with your feet, right? But your hands do a lot of things. So if somebody says, I'm not a hand, so I'm not part of the body, meaning that what that's saying is, I don't have an important job, so I'm not part of the body. I'm not important enough because I don't have a, 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 a job. I don't have a thing, so I'm not a part of the body. That's a fool's way of thinking. We all have a part in the body. Did you know without your thumb, you have a hard time grabbing things? So the thumb is important to the hand. Your big toe, you might say, well, I'm a big toe, I'm not a hand. Do you know your big toe is important? You couldn't stand right without a big toe. Your balance would be off without a big toe. Did you know that? So the big toe is important. So our job in the spirit is, or in the church, in the, in the body of Christ, is just as important if we are a big toe, a thumb, or a hand, or a mouthpiece, or every, every part is important. Every part is important. He goes on and he says, If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Good question. If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has established the parts, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. If they were all one part, where would the body be? So, there are many parts, yet one body. <clears throat> so, if we were all mouthpieces, how would we see to minister to a need? Do you know what I'm saying? How would we, how would we identify a need if we're all a mouthpiece? If we're all saying and preaching the word of God, where would the, uh, the, the idea to see where the need is be? When we identify a need, what do we use? Just in general. How do, we, how do we know someone has a need? We can see it. We can talk to people. And we hear what they say, right? So we have eyes, ears, and mouths 
ascertaining and even our feet to go to those places to talk to those people. So all these things are put together to help us to ascertain someone's need. So if we were just a mouth, how would we ever ascertain the need of someone because we're not a, we don't have the foot, the mouth, the, we don't have the foot, the ear, and the eyesight, and the hand in order to do it. So what Paul is saying here is that every part of our body, just as our physical body, is as important as the body of Christ. You have ears to hear, eyes to see, feet to go to the places of need, and a mouthpiece to preach the gospel and meet that need, hands to meet that need. This is an allegory here of not only the body of Christ, but also of us. We are the body of Christ. Therefore, if we see someone that is in need, legitimately in need, and we are able to help, we are called to help. Does that make sense? How do we know they're in need? We hear it, we talk about it, we see it, and we go there, and we're there. <clears throat> if I stayed in my house, I would never know if anybody was in need. You know where I find out where people are in need? The store. That's where I go. I go to the store. Or I go to the library. Or I go to the post office. That's about the only places I go. And, and, and undoubtedly, I see people and talk to people who are in some sort of need, have some sort of need. Sometimes I can help them, sometimes I can't. But yet I try. And if I'm able, I help them. There was a gentleman the other day probably about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. I've known this gentleman for years, and he was waiting for the show bus. He had to go to Walmart. He went for, he waited for the show bus. The show bus left before he got done. So he's out there with all of his bags sitting on the bench waiting for the next show bus to come, which was probably about four hours later. And he's got food in his bags, and I'm like, well, he, and he said, hey, can you, can you give me a ride? I need a ride back to my house. If I wasn't at Walmart, I wouldn't have heard that. If I wasn't at Walmart, I wouldn't have seen him. If I didn't have ears, I wouldn't have heard him ask. If I didn't have eyes, I wouldn't have saw him. And I said, sure. Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. If you don't mind riding with me, and I had, I had Brittany's little boy with me, Aaron with me. And I said, oh, you don't mind riding with this rug rat? We're fine. He's like, oh, sure, sure. So he got in, put his stuff in the back of the truck, got in the passenger side of the truck, and we, I took him home. How would I have not seen that need? How, how, how would I have seen that need if I would not have been there? Right? So we're in, our need, our, our, our ability to meet a need is just as important as us being the body of Christ, if that makes sense. We're not all a mouthpiece. We're not all a nose. We're not all an earpiece. We have to invoke all of the senses, the body of Christ and our own. Jesus said that we are to love one another. The Bible says we're to love one another as Christ loved the church, right? But that means not just the believers. That means everyone around us. 
If someone is in legitimate need and we're able to help. Now, I know there are people out there that peddle and just get cash for whatever they want to get it for. And that takes discernment upon the Lord for you to know how to do that and know where to go with that. But when the Lord directs you to help and you're able, you are required, and I'm going to say that, required by God to be an aid to that individual. Why? Because that, that is the, might be the very point of Jesus that you're showing them. Does that make sense? You might be showing them Jesus that they've never seen before. Their background of church might be, well, condemnation, fear, judgment. But you might be showing them a different Jesus than they've ever encountered, and that might bring them to a place of even searching more of Jesus or turning their life to Jesus. Now, I go on. <clears throat> the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, those parts of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those parts of the body which we think are less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor, and our less, and our less respectable parts are treated with much more respect, whereas our more respectable parts have no need of this, but God has composed the body, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacks it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that the parts should have the same care for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts rejoice with it. Now we're getting into not only an analogy of body parts, because you could say, well, you know, if you have, and I deal with this a lot, and I'm dealing with it today, actually. I have this foot right here. I have hammer toes, right, because of the way I walk. And right now, my toes are excruciatingly painful right now. And walking hurts. And you know, when I walk on this foot, it's not only the toes that hurt, it's the ankle, it's the calves, it's the leg, right? Which then makes me tired and then makes me sometimes irritable, wink, wink, right? But my whole body's affected, right? So in the same way, he is saying here that we cannot look upon somebody and say, well, you're a newcomer, you have nothing to offer, because you, you don't know enough of the Bible yet. Or you can't say, well, you don't dress right. You say you're a Christian, but you don't dress right. You don't act right. So therefore, you're less than us. What happened in the New Testament, in the Old Testament? We hear an analogy of, you know, the priest standing up, saying, Father, I'm glad I'm not like this one over here, that I'm... And the, and the other ones are just beating his chest. Father, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Which one's more honored? The one that is beating his chest. We cannot say to someone, you have less value because you have less experience in the Lord. Because we don't know their life. We don't know their experience. We don't know the past they came from. Right? We also 
cannot say that he says here, he says that, you know, certain things we have no need of them. One of the things that happens a lot of times in churches, and I'm a, I believe in, in this and I'll say this, I don't believe that somebody who is not born again, somebody who is not a believer, should be in leadership roles. I don't believe that's appropriate because you don't know what their mindset is. But if they are a believer and they're learning and they're doing things, they need to be maybe not in leadership roles but in discipleship roles where they're learning, where, they're, where they are in, 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 in accountability with others so that they are learning and they are accountable. It is important. We can't say we have no need of you because you have less experience. We have all these things covered, so therefore you don't have to do anything. We don't, and then what that translates to a new believer is they don't want me. Did you know that? It translates that way throughout your life. No matter if you're, if you're a believer or not, if you don't give someone something to do to make them feel like they belong, they won't stick around. They won't stick around because, they, because a new believer wants something to do. They want something to do. They want to be a part. They want to be doing something for the Lord. And if we say, well, you're too young or we've got it all covered, some, sometimes we don't insult them by saying you're too young in the Lord. Sometimes we say, well, we've got it all covered. You don't have to do anything. When we do that, they're saying to them, we have no need of you. And they won't stick around. Give them something to do. He's saying here, he says, he says um, those parts of the body which we think are less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor. So God is saying, remember when, when, when the word said that he used the weak things to confound the wise? Do you remember that? That's what he's saying here. The things that we consider less honorable, the ones we consider less honorable, the ones that are new, the ones that don't look the way we think they should, don't act the way they, we, we think they should because they're new, God says, I bestow more honor on them. Did you know? Now, I, 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 I used to do a lot of um, mission stuff when the, in the other churches I was in. Did you know that a person that is, came out of a certain lifestyle or a certain way of thinking has more effect on someone in the same kind of lifestyle or thinking mindset if the Lord calls them to that, to change the lives. Like, for an example, I'm going to use bikers because that's what I think about when I think about this. Not that we have a lot of bikers around here and that bikers are bad, but let's, let's, let's use that as an analogy. So a guy comes out of a biker group. I don't want to say gang because they're not really gangs. Or they, they congregate in groups. And the group is like kind of rough and ragged and have ways of thinking and, and ways of talking and they're rough, right? Well, a guy is in there and he gets saved and he feels called to his group to minister to them. And if God is calling him to that, he is the best person for that job. He might be new. 
And we might say, well, you know, you came out of that and, you know, you might fall back into that and you might have that issue and this issue. And, but if God calls you to that, you're the best one for the job. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know what those people go through. I've never been. I, don't, I can't even ride a bicycle, so I don't know. Much less a motorcycle. I'd kill myself in 10 seconds. But if you think about it, he's been in that. He's been there. He's been in that group. He knows the need. He knows the idea. He knows the reasons they do what they do. He can speak to that in the light of Scripture and change lives. Some people also don't like the idea of bar ministry, an alcoholic having bar ministry. I think that is something that you have to really, really be called to if you're an alcoholic, recovering alcoholic that is saved. You have to really be called to that because you could, you could fall back into that if you're not really called. But if you are called, you're the best person for that job. Because you know why people drink. You know what people are trying to bury with alcohol. You know what people are, you, you know what people are trying to forget. So you're the best person for that job. And then you put that in the light of Scripture, right? To change lives. If I walked into a bar, they, was, they know me like, oh, there's the, here's Pastor John. They would think two things. He's trying to convert people or the ministry got too much of him. And he needs to forget, right? So I would have no effect. But somebody that walked in out of that, walking back in to minister, as long as God is calling you to do that and you're following the Lord's leading, you are the best person for that job. The weak things to confound the wise, right? He goes on. He says in verse 24, whereas our more respectable parts have no need of this, but God has composed the body, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacks it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that, one, but that the parts should have the same care for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts reap. This goes on not just in ministry and in churches, but through your whole life. Treat each other with respect. Your whole life. This is your life. This is a life characteristic. This isn't a church characteristic or a Christian characteristic. This is a life characteristic. Treat others with respect. You're a Christian, you should treat, treat others with respect. I have a lot of issue with a lot of people and a lot of churches that say things like, um, I'm going to say this, okay, so if you want to throw tomatoes at me, you can, or whatever. But it, that group, there was a group, remember, that would always picket these funerals. And they would say, God hates fags. And they would say, you know, all, and they would do all these things. Do you know what? That was the biggest, the biggest freaking I'm sorry for saying that word, but I get upset, right, when things like that happen. That was the biggest blight on Christianity for someone to do that at a funeral. What does that say 
about the church. Yeah, we don't agree with that lifestyle, sure, but someone lost their life. And they have a family grieving. And they have family members that are dealing with a lot. And, you, and we do that. And the church does that. What does that say about Jesus? What does that tell that family about who Jesus is? Now they might say, well, these people are weird and we know the real Jesus. Or they might say, well, we don't want to be a part of the church. Right? So what does that say? When, when one of the parts of the body hurts, we all hurt. When we rejoice, we all rejoice, right? That's not a rejoiceful moment. That is a painful moment. It's a painful moment that hurts the whole body. I remember seeing that, and I hurt for those families. I hurt for those families. Because here we have a church that's prominent, that's going out and picketing, because if someone had an altered lifestyle, that passed away. I just have way more issue with that. I get angry. Righteous anger. We are, the, we are believers. We are supposed to love one another. Treat each other with respect, regardless of background, upbringing, and why they're who they are. Treat them with respect. You might be the only Jesus they'll ever see. And you know what? That might have been the only Jesus they'll, they ever saw, but they saw a Jesus that, was, that is not projected in the Scripture. That's what they saw. We are Jesus to other people. We need to get that in our head. We are, we are a picture of Christ to other people by our actions and our attitudes and the way we think and the way we do things. We are a picture of Jesus to other people. Man, that just really chaps my hide. I'm sorry. Verse 27. Now you are able, now you, now, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So we individually are members God has put these in a church. God has put these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, and various tongues. Now, here's another thing. This is dealing with church membership, church roles, church activities. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. I don't think, I honestly don't think there are any more apostles or prophets. There were, there were some characteristics for apostles, and we don't fit them anymore. And prophets, I don't think we see prophets anymore. But they are, but they are. They were very much um, a thing back in the first century because of the closeness of Jesus' death and resurrection. Apostles and prophets were very common, not so much common anymore. And he goes on, he says, he says um, 
First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. So we're in the part of teachers. Teachers, pastors, those kinds of things. And after that, miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, governments, and various tongues. Now, the Bible says that the word of God is preached and then signs and wonders follow. Do you understand? Word of God is preached. Signs and wonders follow. So, and he says right here, he says, let me find my place again. He says, teacher, he says, first apostles, then prophets, then third teachers. After that, teachers, what do teachers do? They teach. After that, then the signs and the wonders take place. Right? So, when things happen, that's why I said a couple weeks ago when we talked about verse 12, chapter 12, the first part, this is why I'm teaching you these things, so you know what to run away from, okay? If you go to a revival and they're singing and they're doing things and it's more than three, it's not in order. If they're doing crazy things like barking like dogs, it's not in order. Run the other way because it says, first teachers, then miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, and various tongues. All those things come after the preaching of the word. You see? Not before. Sometimes it does when it's in the spirit of the mode and, and you know things are going. We've, we've been in situations in our past of church experience of God moving during a song service and doing... But all of that, you can feel it in the spirit moving. You know it's of God. You know it's of the spirit. But when it's not of the Spirit, you'll know that too. But the teaching has to have precedence. I've been in situations where the teaching was never even given, but everything else was about signs and wonders, and the Scripture was never taught. That's not scriptural. Right here. It says it right here. That's not scriptural. The Bible must be taught. If you're going to have a meeting of Christian origin, a church service, anything like that, the scripture must be taught if you're expecting to have signs and wonders. It must be taught. If it is not taught, it is not of God. Understand that. If it's all about the signs and the wonders and God is not even part of it in the scripture, run the other direction. Run away from it because it is not of God. Then he goes on and says, are all prophets? No. Are all apostles, all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. <clears throat> I think in my experience, what he's saying here is are all pastors? No. But we all can be teachers and we all can be taught. Our lives are a living teaching of who Jesus is, and we all should be willing to be taught the Scripture. We all should be willing to be taught. Are all teachers? Are all pastors? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have the gifts of, of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. That's, that, I'm, I'm adding the no, by the way. 
but earnestly covet the greater gifts. What are the greater gifts? I had this taught to me years ago. You know what the best spiritual gift is? That was given to me, that, 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 that question was given to me. You know what the best spiritual gift is? I said, I don't know, speaking in tongues? Nope. I don't know, healing? Nope. I don't know, word of knowledge? Nope. Word of, word of prophecy? Nope. Went through all the lists, every one of them? Nope. I said, well, then what's the best gift? You know what I was told? The one that is in the greatest need. That's the best one. See, I have an issue with people who think and say, well, I have, I have the gift of healing, or I have the gift of tongues, or I have the... Okay, well, God gives us, he severally wills the gifts that of, of the Spirit, right? So, if you claim you have this, God might have used you once or twice, but that doesn't mean you have that. That just means that God used you for a greater need, and that was what was needed. The healing was needed at that point. And you were there, and you were the one who was facilitating that particular thing. So that was the greatest need. You necessarily don't have that gift. God just used you in that gift. So many people say, I have this gift of this. I have a gift of that. Run from them. Because God will use you just as well for the greatest gift ever needed. You know what the greatest gift you can give anybody? Salvation. That's the greatest one. That's the greatest need of every human in this planet is salvation. Not speaking in tongues. It's not healing. It's not any of that. It's salvation. Once you've given that, once you've given an opportunity for people to accept Christ, that is the greatest gift you give anybody. That doesn't have to end, and, and that does not take, that does not take a theology degree. That does not take uh, schooling for eight, four, five, six, seven, eight years. It just takes your life experience and what Jesus has done for you. And the love that you show and the love that you share with that individual, that's what that's all about. That's the greatest need and the greatest gift you can give anyone. Does that make sense? So I say all these things, as this chapter was written here in 1 Corinthians, because these things were happening and Paul was setting them straight. It's like I said a few weeks ago. There's a reason there's warnings because somebody tried it. Don't stick metal in a microwave. You know why? Because somebody tried it and blew up a microwave. Don't put your kids facing forward in a car seat, in the front seat. You know why? Because the airbag will go off and kill them. You know why? Because somebody tried it and somebody's child passed away from it. So that warning came about because of that. So somebody tries those things, right? Don't ingest certain medications, why? Because somebody tried it and they got sick or died. Paul is saying here, all of these things, warnings, indications, and teachings, because somebody was doing this. And we're here today in 2022 teaching on these things so that we don't fall into the same trap 
So I say again, before we end this chapter, because the next one's a love chapter, it's a nice one. If you're in a church service and they're doing crazy stuff and the word isn't preached, run. Run from that meeting. If they're speaking in tongues and no interpretation, run. If they are speaking more than four, more than three, it says, run. Because it's not of God. There are certain, that's why there are certain things in this scripture. So we know what to run from and we know what to stick around for. So understand those things. Study these things. Know these things in here more than here. Because that's how you understand God speaking to you. God will tell you, run. I'll remember, I remember that time, and I'll end with this. We're getting close on time. But I remember that time when I was in that church meeting and there was an hour and a half of tongues and, in, tongues and interpretation and words of prophecy and words of knowledge and songs and and the leader of the meeting said, well, we're going to have to end for today. It's one o'clock and blah, 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 blah. No preaching of the word that day. I remember the Lord speaking to my heart, this was, this was not of God. This was not of me. So these are things that we have to know, we have to understand what to run from and what to stick around for. Okay? And I can remember when it would happen in the Assembly of God Church that I got saved in, that pastor would call you down and say, sit down, shut your mouth, you're not of God. He would do that from the pulpit. He kept those meetings in order. And that was something that I was used to. And when I was, saw that, I wasn't used to that. I wasn't used to just letting it go. Open mic night type of stuff. I wasn't used to that. And God spoke to my heart, not of God, not of me, not of me. So know these things, understand these things. So that when you get in a situation where you're going to a church function that's not here, and someone, some people do that, they invite you to places, and you see a lot of weird things, and God says, not of me, run from that situation. And get with God and allow God to minister to you tell you where it was not right. Okay? Does that make sense? Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace. Lord, help us to know and to understand the word today. Help us to understand and know your, your leading and guiding and your small, still small voice. Father, help us by your spirit to, to know what to stay away from and what to cling to. And Lord, we thank you for that. We give you praise. Help us in our daily lives this day and this week to, Lord, look to you for strength, look to you for guidance and direction, look to you for encouragement. And Lord, we thank you for that. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. 
You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.